somehow a part of the poem. The fast-paced life of a boy changes in an instant as a poem enters his life. The two-part poem collects every word in the English language that has either the word lol or yolo within it. The poem wonders about the frequent occurrence of the word lol within so many chemical compounds as if the building blocks of life itself contained some obscure punchline, as well as the serendipity that a word like yolo is found within a word like embryology. Sure of the truth in this matter, but somewhat unsure about the poem's effectiveness, the boy agrees to read it. Hopefully this was the right choice. Lol. <laughs> Afterbutalol, amylolysis, amylolytic, angelologist, angelology, atenolol, basilol, laterol, blolly, carbidilol, chelolic, cyclochlonane, cyclochlonane, cyclochloma, dactylological, esmolol, fossilology, kiloliter, kiloliters, labetalol, lablolly, lola, Lollapalooza, lolicow, lollicon, lollico, lolita, lollium, law, lollardism, laws, law, lollies, lollying, lollipop, lollipop, like, lollop, lollop, lollipping, lollops, lolls, lollygag, lolly, lollygagger, lollipalooza, lollipop, metalontha, metroprolol, metalol, oxisilolane, pacalolo, phallological, philologist, philological, philologist, philologist, philologue, philology, phyllolipid, pindolol, propanolol, pyrogalol, salol, silol, silol, silo like, spondylolithesis, symbolololatry, timolol, tonsillolith, vexillologist, Xylol, YOLO, Brachiology, Bryology, Crazyologist, Cryology, Embryologic, Embryological, Embryologist, Embryologist, Embryology, Ferriologist, Ferriology, Gooseberryologist, Ichthyologist, Ichthyologist, Ichthyology, Karyological, Karyologically, Karyologist, Karyology, Myology, Myology, Neuroembryologist, Paleoichthyologist, Storiologist, Storiology. But what if this poem can't be trusted? Like, I don't think the word gooseberryologist is actually a word. <laughs> Where do unsuccessful conceptual poems go? How can we bastardize the genre? Or what if the complete opposite is true? How could an ordinary poem be this lucky or unlucky, depending on the turnout? Only one way to find out. The casual life of a poem takes a sharp turn as a childhood friend enters its life. The childhood friend claims the poem is in grave danger. Supposedly a psycho killer is lurking nearby, sleuthing by moonlight, studying every move, ready to strike at any moment. The person claims to know the killer and offers protection from this psycho in the form of a disguise. Sure of the truth in this situation, but somewhat distrustful of this childhood friend, the poem, the poem somewhat gladly agrees to the proposal. No matter what, something has to be done in this situation. Hopefully this was the right choice. But what if this childhood friend is not speaking the truth? Or what if somebody is orchestrating all of this? How could an ordinary poem end up in a situation like this? Only one way to find out. Thermostats cast lifespan of a poem taking the shatterproof turrets as a chiffon frigates and trenches history lifestyle. Thermodynamics chide us phrase out, class theology poetically as in grandchildren dandelions. Supersede a psychomat psychosomatic kill this lurk near, sledding by moor, stung every mover, reasonings to strive at any time moment. Thermal periphery classifies to nowhere these killed Andean office propounds fronts 13 psychosocial and thetis fortress of a distinctly. Surrounding of their truest in things situate, butterball somewhat disablers of this chin frigate. Their poetry <laughs> sometimes go play and agree to thermometers programmers. No matriarchal Wharton, 
Somerset hasty to be donner in thirsty situations. Hoppers, thinkers, wasteful fetus rigidly, rigidly chalks. Buttoning wart on if thinkably chimes frigate is noticeable, sparry fence truths. Or whaler if somber is orchid allergy of thirsty. Howler counterpoise and ordination poems endorse up in a sight likeness thickly. Onlooker one time Waynesboro to finishing outs. The casual life of a boy will change forever as another poem enters his life. The poem catalogues every use of the word moon, either as a prefix or as a common phrase found in the Oxford English Dictionary. The poem claims if language is a product of our environment, it should be unsurprising that the most poetic of celestial objects, the moon, should engender such an inexhaustible linguistic inspiration. Sure of the truth in this situation, but somewhat uncertain of the poem's readability, the boy agrees to read it. Something has to be done in this situation. Hopefully this was the right choice. Moon poem. Above, <laughs> beyond the moon. Ask, also cry, wish, etc. for the moon. Believe that the moon is made of green cheese, also cream cheese, below the moon. Be over the moon, for many a moon. Go beyond the moon, jump over the moon, many moons ago. Moon arched, moon base, moon bathed, moon blanched, moon blasted, moon blasting, moon blink, moon blow, moon blue, moon boot, moon born, moon bounce, moon bound, moon bow, moon box, moon bright, moon brighten, moon proud, moon bug, moon buggy, moon burn, moon cake, moon car, moon chain, moon charm, moon checkered, moon clock, moon cloud, moon clover, moon cold, moon colored, moon cool, moon craft, moon crawler, moon craze, moon creeper, moon crown, moon cutter, moon daisy, moon dapple, moon dawn, moon dazzle, moon doom, moon dog, moon down, moon drake, moon drawn, moon drenched, moon dust, moon festival. Moon flask, moon flaw, moon flecked, moon flight, moon flooded, moon folk, moon freezing, moon fruit, pine, moon gate, moon gathered, moon gazing, moon will aid, moon gleam, moon glimpse, moon glittering, moon glow, moon god, moon goddess, moon gray, moon haunted, moon haze, moon head, moon horn, moon jelly, moon jellyfish, moon knife, moon land, moon lander, moon landing, moon landscape, moon led, moon lily, moon locked, moon left, moon mad, moon made, moon madness, moon made, moon marked, moon mellowed, moon mist, moon port. Moon probe, moon proof, moon pole, moon race, moon rainbow, moon rays, moon related, moon rat, moon ray, moon rich, moon rising, moon rocket, moon roof, moon rover, moon sail, moon setting, moon shadow, moon shadow, moon shaft, moon steered, moon shell, moon ship, moon shaw, moon shoot, moon shooter, moon shot, moon sky, moon slave, moon's man, moon's minion, moon snail, moon soak, moon stead, moon stuck, moon suit, moon tan, moon taut, moon tide, moon track, moon trepla, moon trotted, moon wake, moon warm, moon washed, moon white, moon white, moon wise, moon wiser, moon work, moon year, moon yellow, old moon in the new moon's arms. Mm -hmm. Also laugh, praise, also boast, etc. above the moon. Say that the moon is blue. To bolt, also shut, shoot the moon. Spanish moon moth, under the moon. But what if this poem is incomplete? Like, why wasn't the word moonlight listed? Or what if I omitted the other part of the poem that does the exact same thing, but only with the word sun? How could an ordinary boy be relied upon in something this big? Only one way to find out. The calm life of a boy takes a sharp turn as another list poem enters his life. Mm -hmm. The poem collects pretty much every word that describes one who uses too many words. A meta-meta critique, the poem asks, like, why do we have so many words to describe using too many words? Sure of the truth in this situation, but somewhat distrustful of the poem's prosody, the boy agrees to read it. The choice was made fast. Hopefully this was the right choice. Words for using too many words. Talkative, mouthy, loquacious, garrulous, periphrasis, gabbling prolix, multiloquent witter, voluble, 
bombastic, linguosity, gabbiness, ambage, flibber-jibber, wordy, pleneloquent, tongue-ripe, descant, blowbate, <coughs> maunderhaber, overspeech, rambler, jargon, yattering, babbler, prolegomenous, gabber, windbag, bigmouth, Herodian, fustian, verbiage, tattlemonger, latinity, rattletrap, tungster, jawsmith, clucker, yabbler, wordsmith, wire-drawing, medulla, chiral, rigmarole, paternoster, blatherer, burbler, motormouth, woofer, earbasher, yammerer, Yacker, twit twat, toludeloquence, ponderer, hubble bubble, talky talky, logoria, yakety yakking talker, mambler, patterer, florid, flibber to give it, prater, patterer, sesquipedalian, prattler, waffler, filibuster, yappy, polylogy, circumlocute, tonginess, irreticent, lubricity, digressive, twaddler, discursive, clatterfart, lexiphanic, chatterer, highfalutin, parakeet, bagpipe, jackdaw, Babliamini, renable, well-breathed, nimble chops, gabbler, bladderer, blatherscape, twaddlebasket, chatterist, chatterbox, palaverer, blabberer, chinny, chattery, gammon the hind leg off a donkey, summer and winter, tootlegusher. But what if this poem missed some other good ones? What if you thought of one that wasn't said while I read it? How could an ordinary poem figure out the truth in all of this? Only one way. That's a hard one to follow. <laughs> um, I'm going to try to stand it up. Who said that? Beat you up later. Um, so, this as Emma said, is part of a collection of loose texts based around um, interactions people have pertaining to cigarette. And this one in particular is mostly about a girl who has back pain. I'll just start. Um, a park bench is just another fixture for rearranging bad groceries, scheduling, posting a drug deal, sitting in and taking in the parkscape over a cigarette. Last night, I was sitting alone, smoking, and observing an evening frisbee game, thinking I used to be, I used to be more fun. <laughs> when my thoughts were interrupted by an errant fluorescent orange disc that flew too close to my head. Rather than retrieving it, or cursing their frivolity, least of all joining their game, I got up and left, flicking my butt in their general direction. <laughs> this morning, I stare absently into the gaze of two frying eggs. I looked over to the table where I deposit the usual accoutrements, cell phone, keys, wallet, cigarettes, lighter, lip balm, and realized that in my stupor I'd left my pack on the bench. They're someone else's sweet find now. And normally I would simply replace the pack, but instead I thought if I returned to that bench today and they're still there, I'm going to be fun again. I'm going to that party on Saturday. On approaching, so on approaching the scene of my forgetting, I take an inventory of the vicinity. Attendance was average for a sunny weekend afternoon in the park, 
frequented by a dwindling middle class. A man with a bloated sack of recyclables nodding with his gait. A young string bean in an unseasonal toque and fleece pullover, hands bulging in the pockets of his fleece. Numerous other one-man operations speckle the park like undercover cops. A group of young people with blankets and a little black barbecue look athletic and carefree. The mood of the place is about as dubious as a piece of toast. Or was it that I used to be more fun? Or was it that I used to have more fun? Finding my cigarettes would have been outstanding for my disposition. Groundbreaking, perhaps, even. But I remain unchanged, only 16 cigarettes the lesser. Disillusioned with this attempt at self-rejuvenation, I trundle onwards towards Main Street, where on the path I tried to think of 16 occasions when I had been given a cigarette, preferably one that wasn't owed to me, or better yet, stumbled upon a pack myself. I'll do that cool thing where I like felt a page. <laughs> um, I wasn't able to tap into this cosmic cigarette equity, though, and could only recall a handful of instances, five, before I acquired a new pack on my way to see the editor. My lower back scorned me for leaving the apartment, but I'm 23, and I can handle sitting in a coffee shop with a little bit of mystery back pain. That evening, I was met to attend an editorial meeting for a civic politics journal that I'm marginally involved with. <laughs> but I asked the editor to meet for a late afternoon coffee instead. My back was planning to worsen by dinner time, anyways. Psychosomatic, psychosomatic. The meeting might involve some light socializing, a window of catching up, since as these organizations go, we haven't congregated in a while. At one of these previous meetings, a woman remarked that I looked familiar. Maybe I saw you at a feminist rally? She lightly wiggled her head and her upper body from side to side when she said, feminist rally? I said, I didn't think so. I've never been to a protest or a rally. At the thought of attending one, I imagined myself standing disingenuously and uninformed in a crowd of people, ravenous for change. A cause needs bodies filled with either politics or curiosity to appear at a certain time or place in order to make a point. However, I started writing and editing there. However, how I started writing and editing there coincided with receiving the moral culpability attached to graduating with a liberal arts degree and my introduction to the editor. How I became possessed by an unusual coldness and creative excuses to get out of group settings is likely a byproduct of the former and softened by the latter. Social morale tends to wither when you take respite from it. When he arrived, I almost knocked over my coffee getting up to greet him. Thinking it was my back, he helped me back into my seat, even though I was totally fine. He began, to tell, he began by telling me about a recently installed temporary artwork he'd just come from. It addressed the local history of fire and the subsequent real estate activity that manifest in the runes. It apparently mirrored some content in an artist book he produced anonymously over two years ago. A few more years ago, the coffee shop we met at was prevented from opening due to a mysterious fire that took out a few surrounding small businesses. The book was with him, which he took out as well as his phone to compare it to some pictures he took of the public artwork. I got excited and I remarked that I'd seen this book long before we'd met. He was pleased to hear this, because publishing a small run of books usually condemns its contents to obscurity more than it achieves romantic levels of dissemination. A tiny book, no more than 10 pages, was now feeling more like a tome, anchoring a range of connections from impending friendship to speculative plagiarism. The resemblance was more in concept than in content, but that was 
that, that there was an awkward similarity in the way they both made exactly the same critique. Perhaps the wall of images and research that exists to ex explicate the local relationships between fires and real estate doesn't run that deep. He said he might write an article about the public artwork, and, but he wouldn't mention the connection with his book. That's probably what's best for all egos involved. I thought he could weave in the book without claiming authorship. I told him, the woman who showed me this book two years ago said, there should be more art about fires. It wasn't a point of agreement or disagreement. It just took up some verbal space while she was trying to show me something she liked. And I didn't think much of it, but the meaning is there now. By bringing the public artwork and his book together within the frame of journalism, he might be able to illustrate that there is a pressing subject on a range of people's minds, even though two of those minds were his. The idea shouldn't be claimed by a medium, or perhaps even a person. I remember that ideas felt like they had more potential when I spoke of them with the editor. He asked me with a hint of concern, and I replied that I was feeling a bit wounded from owing for this first time after filing my taxes this year. I know it's just money, it comes and it goes, but it's like someone cut off all of my hair. Not all of it, but a lot. Right, so the point is, I know I shouldn't be so upset. It'll grow back. It just feels stupid to pay that much. Without betraying his sympathies for my mysterious back pain, he kept saying, if you feel better, though I wasn't sure if he meant about my back or my taxes, you should come to the meeting. It's actually gonna be really casual, more like a dinner party. Which <laughs> <laughs> so we then chatted for nearly two hours more and it was almost time for the meeting. And despite my back, I could have attended it. But the editor and I parted ways on a long hug and promised to email each other drafts. Mine of a book review and his a piece on public art, but who knows if we will. I went home, I sat in front of a Word document peppered with some quotes. Then I got a text from the merchandiser. Why raise the dead? For some time, I had been thinking of writing a personal essay called In Defense of Some Straight White Males, which would be loosely based on some of my friends who are adamantly apolitical, living with some anxiety of being one misinterpretation away from being told they are straight, white, or male. Forgoing editorial meetings, I was instead with, I was, I was instead in the studio, in the studio with the painter when I brought this idea up. He was raised suburban and religious, but is more assertive about his beliefs in art than in perfect families or God. Honestly, I just want to paint. I don't know what to say to that anymore because he says this a lot. And statistically, we're more likely to do fucked up shit. I stared up at him, more athletic than he looks, shy and fashionably layered, and then down at his unfinished paintings. He could fuck up a recipe and that's about it. No, <laughs> no one would take me seriously if I went around calling myself a feminist. They would say, yeah, sure, of course, go, yeah, make, go make a painting. Yeah, well, here I am, anyway. The more I lingered on this presumed rejection of the straight white male, the defeatist stance he took sounded less like a legitimate attempt to excuse himself and more like a deep expressed lack of authenticity. One felt standing before the threshold of cultural participation or simply before opening one's mouth. I don't feel equipped to try and encourage him or myself to be more outspoken about a garden variety of things. So he paints, and he's good at it, happy at it. 
It would be insulting to check if he's a feminist. Maybe I should have. I didn't really want to ask. But are you a feminist? <laughs> I start to pass him a warm beer from the six pack I brought over as a surprise. I don't really like beer, but I've never seen him drink wine in the studio. He makes an ironic, sexist remark about women passing men beer. And I'm not insulted, but before the motion can be completed, I rescind the beer, slowly. <laughs> I left my cigarettes in the park earlier. Can I have one of yours? He understood and apologized and suggested that I think of something else to write about. I apologized for the beer being warm. My first sentence might have been, David Foster Wallace was a straight, white male. My mood usually drops like a bag of heavy garbage when I remember that he's dead. He wasn't a perfect example, but there is always more of a human connection than a political one. I won't be the one to posthumously deify him as the patron saint of white males. Who would that be anyway? Doesn't seem like it needs to be anyone. According to DFW, it might have been John Updike, but that's a step in the entirely wrong direction. I don't have a thesis. Maybe just awkward or misguided sympathy and warm beer. We smoke the rest of his cigarettes and no paintings or reviews are worked on that evening privately postulating under the influence of all of his misanthropy. When back pain subsided after a few days of solitude, I went to visit the painter on his break during the first day of his new job at a commercial gallery in an up-and-coming neighborhood. Today, he's installing the work of a German artist that neither of us knows anything about. I had not, encouraged, I had not encountered anything in recent weeks that I thought was particularly rigorous, or at the very least sincere and my complaint was met by some nearly senior artists who told me to lower my expectations. Facetious or not, I paid it much mine. And naive or not, I flagrantly promised myself that I would sooner just make something more meaningful or leave this place and die amidst a century-old library. He said to come at 1.30 p.m., but I arrived half an hour early to browse the gallery's bookshop. A few new titles had trickled in. Trickled in. I was somewhat familiar with the base stock, the stuff that makes more of a statement about the sensibility of the gallery than it tries to generate revenue. Monographs of artists who were more famous in Europe, small presses, biographies of modernist wives, exhibition catalogs from here and abroad, mostly abroad. I amused myself by trying to identify the titles that had sold since my last browse and then speculate about who might have bought them. A lot of these are probably too far in time and space from the context they were made in to make their meaning immediate to a window shopper on another continent. It's nice to know that they're here, though. While I was trying to match a missing Susan Howe book with its imaginary bellatrist, a professional woman in her early 30s came in and blew past me. The combination of her walk and figure inspired the belt of her trench coat to swing with zeal at her sides. I must have appeared very mousy comparatively. When she reached the middle of the hallway between the bookshop and the exhibition room, I thought she was about to burst in on the painter mid-drill but she turned into the open door to an office and halted in the frame. The stance she adopted made, made her beige and now seemingly inflated rear end protrude back into the hallway a bit, and this felt too cinematic to bear. Um, I put my attention back into the how, which lasted until she started to greet someone in the office at an unsavory volume. She'd just gotten to town and had been a while on a scale of one to 10, their casual sounding relationship, thinly veiled as flirtation, I would say, was conducted in a range from six to eight. 
The man, apparently accustomed to her candor, replied with his volume in kind. I could still hear, oh sorry. Even though she released her bodacious posture and was fully in the office now, I could still hear it all in chorus with the construction noises coming from the next room. It sounded like a very involved installation. How about a late lunch, she asks. What do you feel like having? I've exhausted my imagination, the man replied, charmed. Without addressing his question at all, she replied that she had already dined at this new bar, and that chic restaurant was so-and-so, and that artist and she and that artist and she arrived. She broadcasted in a nonchalant seven. She waited to have a social week before catching up with this charmed man. I wasn't sure how long I would last with an earshot of this conversation before my back pain resurfaces, so I told myself she's in love with him. Yes, I hoped. Just en endearing nervousness manifested as overblown performance. She wanted to come to a party on Saturday at a definitive nine. At parties, people ended up conversing at a one or a two, as if to sonically stow away beneath the music and other, people's, other people attempting to compete with it. I suppose volume doesn't matter at parties. Perhaps that's the merit of parties. You can behave on a sliding scale between annoying and the worst person ever, and people will just accept you as context. <laughs> there are a few occasions that actually warrant a 10, unless you're an electrified instrument, but this woman isn't that far off. She's in love! Eavesdropping had the quality of listening to a well-transmitted radio play, and while I numerically graded the volume of their exchanges, the man suddenly introduced her to another person who was sitting in the office that whole time. Oh, my fucking back. At roughly the same volume as she flirted, she met a complete stranger, but in good form, she proposed all getting drinks before the, for the party and asked for the address. The second woman, a younger-sounding woman, started giving her directions on public transit, but the first politely rejected, objected. After several trips to Vancouver, she was finally oriented enough to navigate transit, but she would take a taxi and write it off as a business-related transport. They all agreed that this was a bloody brilliant idea. I felt my phone buzz and there was a text message from the merchandiser. You have a tendency to hyperbolize, but I essentially agree with you. Then I checked the time, 1.22 p.m. The next eight minutes might just cripple me. I send the painter a text, outside, smoking. Thank you, Emma. Thank, Thank you, Zeb. Yeah. Thank you, Carl, for being born on this day. <laughs> I would thank people from 221A, but they're not here. So thanks. Thank you. Um, yeah, please feel free to stick around um, and yeah, hang out. There's more drinks. There's more drinks. I don't think there's, there's some more brownies. There's more brownies. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thanks. <laughs>